Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. Morning, church. How are you? You sure? Hey, we're uh, opening a new series. It's in the book of James, and I have the opportunity to speak about chapter one. How many of you spend any time in the book of James? This chapter is chucked full of information that I like and I don't like. The stuff I like massages my feelings. The stuff I don't like convicts me. And uh, that's hard to deal with. Um, It's an interesting letter because what James is trying to get across to us is putting our faith in action and what Christian living is supposed to look like. Um, So we're going to dive into this and see where we end up. And so I want to tell you a couple of stories about myself because your perception becomes your reality is actually the first key I want to talk about. Perception is a very interesting, very interesting word. And many of us sitting here this morning have a certain perception about ourselves. It may be accurate, it may be wrong. But if you don't have an accurate perception of yourself, then your perception could be really deadly. And it's beating the dickens out of you and you don't even realize it. And you're living in shame, you're living in squalor, you're living with horrors that can be changed. That's why we have a Jesus who can change our perspective, right? So that's what we're gonna be talking about for here a little bit because our perceptions can become our realities. When we were first married, uh, some years ago now, I like to paint and I love painting on canvas and it was really just fun. Uh, my wife, uh, actually thought my stuff was good. And she would even frame it and put it up on the wall and say it's good. Um, And then after a couple years, I was trying to paint this image that was in my head of uh, a landscape in this particular tree and a particular leaf. And I got frustrated out of my, my mind because what was in my mind, I could not put on the canvas. I could not get the detail I wanted, and I got really ticked off about it. Guess what? My perception of myself changed. I declared I am not a painter, and I quit. I went through the house, I took down all the paintings, put them in the garbage can, and said, I don't want to ever see these again. Now, I have a wife who loves me, still loves me and she was telling me that my stuff was good but I didn't believe her. You know why? Because my perception of myself changed. I said, I'm not a good painter, I quit. Thus, I am not a painter. We're not gonna go through this. And I have never picked up a brush since. My perception of myself could be the fact that I had an alcoholic father 
in that I would be the same. Because now I know statistically, that's a strong possibility. But Jesus said, you have a future. You don't have to be the same. Somewhere along the line, I decided I am not gonna be an alcoholic. My perception on that changed. My reality be, was that, that God had a future for me and I wanted to pursue that. Dad never invested a thing in me. I, he never showed me how to use a hammer. He never showed me how to cut trees down. Uh, he just didn't invest in me. So my perception could be, I'm worthless. I'm not even worth investing in. Reality says, God gave his son for you. you. He's known you all the days of his life and he declares you be worthy. So I decided along the way, I am not gonna have this perception of myself. I am gonna choose a different perception of who God says that I am. This is a challenge that uh, we're gonna be talking about for a little bit here. It's about perception. How we perceive ourselves, how we perceive God's word. And what kind of effect does it have on us? What kind of effect does my perception have on me and how I am living currently? James chapter one, verse one through four says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, and that's the key word we're gonna focus on, nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can have. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows stronger, let patience finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. James says this to us, folks, your difficulties are inevitable. They're gonna happen. How many of us have some difficulties right now? We're going through some stuff. Our world is going through stuff. Our, our country's going through stuff. We're probably going through stuff. It's just gonna happen. And what James is saying is, I don't want you to endure your difficulties. I want you to experience life in your difficulties. And that's why he's challenging us with this book, with this letter. He doesn't want us just to have to put up with it and say, I can't be, I just can't wait till these are over because there's life in difficulties. He's saying, look differently about it. Change your perspective about difficulties because they can come to help you to grow spiritually. <laughs> I'm still not there yet. I don't like difficulties. I wish things would just run smooth. Uh, actually, what I'm telling you is, is I wish things would just go my way. And it's not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. So how does a believer supposed to respond in hard times? Um, the privilege that God has given us is the ability to say yes and no. As I've already indicated, I basically have the final word about myself. 
You have the final word about yourself. It's a scary freedom because if I say I quit, I quit. But if I say I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. You have that same choice as you sit here this morning. My prayer is that we will hear this word and it will speak strong enough to us that we will declare that if our perception doesn't line up with what God's word says, we'll change it. I don't want us to leave here. I don't want anybody to leave here thinking that they're worthless. They're not worth being invested in. That you're not salvageable. You're, you're not anybody. Uh, see, Jesus has a different plan. God says something completely different about you. That's why he gave his son. So he could redeem any situation you're in. He can redeem any difficulty you have. It's all our perception about that and how we go about it. So let's look at some of the things that uh, James is talking about. Verse three, he says, difficulties produce endurance. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up you in the power of endurance. Now, this word uh, does not describe a passive sitting by like you do in a doctor's office. Isn't that one of your most favorite things to do? To get there on time and just wait and wait and wait and wait. I didn't realize this morning I was saying that and my doctor was here. So. I'll have to repent for that one later. <laughs> but this quality character is talking about is, is, is an endurance for a marathon. Because you know what? You and I are in a marathon. Our lives are a marathon. And Paul says, in other words, I want you to run this race strong and I want you to finish strong. So he's given us the ability to endure difficulties because they will help us grow and prepare us for our future. Difficulties produce patience. Let patience finish this work, this work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Not one of my favorite words. Difficulties produce wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord if he is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. How many of us need wisdom? You sure? Here, I want us to take, I want us to, take its time and do something just a little bit different. All of you who say you need wisdom, would you stand? Interesting, interesting. So Ken, why are you having a stand? All right, what is the book of James about? Putting your faith in action. Now it's real easy to sit there in your nice little comfy church chair and go, I need wisdom. Lord, please give me some wisdom. It's another thing to stand up because you just took an action. You just did something, you stood up. So let's pray. Lord, you see our hearts, you see us as we are, you know our difficulties. 
and yet your word says that difficulties produce and make room for wisdom. So Lord, no matter what our situations are, bring wisdom. I ask you today by your spirit that you just pour wisdom out on us liberally right now. You'd cover this room with your wisdom. And Lord, as kingdom people, we would speak wisely now. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So, difficulties produce endurance. Difficulties produce patience. Difficulties produce wisdom. Difficulties produce humility. I'm not going to have you stand on that one. For a variety of reasons. Humility is a anchor point for us because there's no room for pride in calling ourselves a believer because pride will cause you to trip and fall every time where humility will lay a straight path for you. It'll lay a safe path for you. One of the things that the Lord taught me a long time ago in Proverbs, it says that a soft word will break a hard bone. It takes humility to believe that because I am made to break the hard bone with a hammer, not a soft word. And I've had to learn how to have a soft word. And it's humbling because it's an anchor for us. Humility is a strong anchor for us. So what is your perception of difficulties at this point? Are difficulties all right? Come on, it produces endurance produces wisdom, humility, patience. How many of you need patience? Uh, I do. The word says, this is what difficulties do. It produces these things in us. If we will change our perception, if we will change our perception. So my reality has to be in my God, but can I trust him? How many of you trust God? Now, I want you, you need to evaluate this. And remember I just said how easy it is to sit there in your nice little cushy chairs and go, I trust God. I thought this morning about wearing a little tag on my shirt that says I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But you know what? I shouldn't have to advertise that I'm a Christian. Because James says, be a doer of the word, not just a listener. So this next point is is pretty strong about trusting God and believing and acting on that because the line that I want to use is pretty powerful. It's kind of changed my life uh, dramatically. And it's gonna be right up on the screen. When I can trust the nature and character of God, then I can trust him in all my circumstances. Pay attention. When I can trust the nature and character of God, then I can trust him in all my circumstances. Which says, I better understand how God operates and who God says that he is, and I better trust that. So when things don't go my way, when difficulties come, I just don't turn my back on them and try to do it my way. I trust God in this moment of difficulty. He is my anchor. 
I trust him in this. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to abandon me. He's going to love me. How many would believe that? See, it set me on a course of action because of the way I was raised in a dysfunctional situation that I better become a functional individual. If I'm gonna have a wife, I'm gonna have kids, I gotta do life different than the way I was raised. Because I cannot repeat dysfunction. It has to stop. And it's gonna stop with me. That doesn't mean I've done everything right and I've been some righteous, holy man, because that's not true. But it set me on a journey in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to look at Jesus's life and see the relationship he had with his dad. And he had a relationship that was functional. My problem was I imposed on God for the longest time and my dad over him and everything the way my dad acted, I imposed that on God, that's the way he's gonna act. So when dad was gonna whip me, he'd go out and get a switch that looked like a tree and to this day, I have this perception, I, I don't think it's real, but it looked like the thing was about 10 foot long and he had a knife, he was just cutting off the limbs. And I knew I was gonna die. I knew it was coming. I probably deserved it, but I knew what was coming. So what happened was, is that when I would do something wrong and I felt like God was trying to get my attention, it was with a baseball bat. That was my relationship with God. God's got a baseball bat and he's gonna get my attention. It's interesting how my perception changed when I started reading the Bible. And I started looking at Jesus's life in relationship to his dad. I never saw a baseball bat in there. Do you know that baseball bats are not recorded in the Bible? They're not there. It says that God wants to get his, my attention with his word, with his son, and with his spirit. And he wants to have a relationship with me. Duh, amazing. So I really spent a lot of time trying to look at Jesus's life. Matter of fact, aside from his death and his resurrection, I think the next most powerful thing that Jesus did for us for three years was reveal his dad's character and his nature to us through his life. So we saw God in action. And I love it because I really want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like Ken. I want to be like Jesus. For that to change means my perception about life has to change. My perception about me has to change. That brings us to this point about God and trusting him because basically the word says uh, in verse 12, difficulties stir up temptations. And when you're tempted, don't ever say God is tempting me for God is incapable of being tempted by evil. He is never the source of temptation. See, if you know about the character and nature of God, you would never say something like that. You wouldn't make something up like that. But if you want to justify your sin, you want to justify your temptation, you want to justify your desires, guess what? God's tempting me. 
See, a lot of times what we do is we, we use difficulties. You're not going to like this. But we use difficulties as an excuse to do stupid stuff. Hello? We do. Because there's a desire in us that's constantly fighting the spirit of God and it's called the flesh. That's what the Bible calls it, the flesh. Doesn't like the spirit working righteousness in us. It wants to work sin in us. We're gonna get tempted. That doesn't mean God tempted us. Doesn't mean that we put temptation into action. There's desires in us. Doesn't mean that we have to fulfill those desires. And sometimes when difficulties come along, it's just like, yeah, kind of giving me an excuse to do this, this, or this, or this. And then I go, you know you're going to repent, so why do it? You know there's grace, so why do it? Well, we don't want to abuse grace. But it's so important to know and understand, like it says here in the scripture, that God can't be tempted. If we know the character and the nature of God, then we can trust him in our difficulties. And we won't be blaming him for our difficulties. We're gonna say, thank you, God, for helping me to grow, helping me to experience life, teaching me how to live through these difficulties, like your word says. Now, here's the problem. Difficulties stir up temptations. Difficulties cause anger. Difficulties can call, cause inappropriate actions. Verse 19 through 20 says, my dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purchase, purpose. So you know what it's saying? Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. How many times has your mouth got you in trouble? It's not something you really want to admit, but we all know that our mouths get us in trouble. Right? The word here is saying, watch your mouth. Because temptation sometimes will produce anger and out of anger we'll say things that are hurtful, we'll say things that we regret and there's no way of reaching out there and grabbing that booger and bringing it back in. The word says, out of the abundance of your heart, what's gonna happen? Your mouth is gonna say it. So doesn't I love you sound so much better than I hate your guts? Watch your mouth. All right, I'm gonna tell you this. I have one thing that kind of gets me about mature believers. And I'm using the word mature in here, okay? It really gets me that mature believers feel like when there's a difficulty or situation that comes up that they can just say whatever they wanna say and go, bless his heart, it's okay. I, I don't understand how mature believers who love Jesus, read the word, can get in a situation and just let brute come out. And it's all right. You know, we're not supposed to allow that. I cannot remember the verse that's in Proverbs. It says something about cleaning out the stalls. Anybody ever clean out any stalls? 
It's a fun job. What's the stuff you're cleaning out? That real aromatic stuff. It's called manure. So let me tell you this. Out of the abundance of your heart, you're going to speak and you cannot help yourself. If you've got love and joy in your heart, you're going to speak love and joy. If you've got manure, ooh, it's going to stink. It's not going to be pretty. Listen, this morning, some of you know you have a trouble with your mouth. And I'm telling you, the reason is, is because your mouth is connected into your heart and what's in your heart, you're going to say, and I believe God is saying it's time to clean out the stall. In Jesus' name. You don't have license anymore just to say whatever you want to say in the moment. Listen, folks, we're kingdom people. We've been purchased with a price. We belong to the king of kings, right? Kingdom people do kingdom things. They don't do worldly things. Kingdom people speak kingly things to people, not worldly trash to people. You and I are supposed to make a difference. That's why the sign, the sign doesn't cut it when it says I'm a Christian. Listen, we have to live it out. The world needs us. Our families needs us. Our, the people around us need us. So we just can't go around saying I'm a Christian when we say dumb things or mean things or foul things. There's no reason for it because we're about the king's business. That's why we have wisdom. That's why we have humility and patience and endurance. So difficulties can stir up anger, but that does not give us an excuse to be angry people and say things that we're not supposed to say. Another one is, in verse 21, inappropriate conduct. So this is why we abandon every morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. You know, I, I like being able to talk like this because it's not me. It's just the Bible. And if you don't like this, tough. It's the Bible. That's why we can't just wear a sign. We have to work it out and walk it. So it's instead of wicked conduct, instead with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Goes on to say in verse 26, you're gonna like this one. It says, if anyone who claims to be a Christian but does not control their tongue has a useless faith, hateful, cruel, impulsive speech has no place in a mature Christian's walk. The last one is verse 22. It says, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled in your life. Who wants to be a doer of the word? You're going to have to change your perception about some things. And I honestly believe this morning that, that God really wants to speak to several people 
because it's not by accident I'm here today and I'm talking about James chapter one and I'm talking about perception being your reality. I'm talking about trusting the nature and character of God, being doers of the word. Some of us need to understand our perception of ourselves, if it's not based on God's word and who he says we are, is deadly. And God can't use us to the ability he wants to use us because we have the final say, yes, no. Yes, I will do this. No, I will do this. Listen, allow the Holy Spirit to please speak to you about your perception of yourself. If you have a perception of yourself that's not healthy, like I did growing up, and, and some of us still have those perceptions of ourselves, we've not changed. And we wonder why we still have some of the issues and problems that we have. It means that God is speaking to you today and he wants to change those perceptions. He wants to be able to have the freedom to speak to you and tell you and declare to you who he says that you are. So you can walk in a freedom you know why? So we can pull off kingdom business. So we can be kingdom people and not just people full of ourselves. Let's stand. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.